Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast, where we unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. I'm Bryce Johnson. Hope you're doing well today as we begin a a new week, and we're excited to continue to deliver these podcasts to you, and we greatly appreciate uh, your rating, reviewing, sending emails, and and responding and interacting to this podcast. And so you can email me, Bryce, at unpackingit.com. Let us know how you're doing during this situation right now that we're all facing and, and let us know maybe how we can pray for you or, or any other topics that you'd like for us to, to maybe bring up on the podcast or some guests that you'd like for us to reach out to uh, right now as we're going to try uh, to deliver even more podcasts in the coming weeks. And, and so hopefully that will work out well for us. But glad to have you uh, join us today as we will share an interview that we did with Cody Zeller. From the Charlotte Hornets, and it is a fun, laid-back, relaxed conversation, and we will get to that in just a moment. But let me ask you this. Do you need to get your own health insurance? Well, go to healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options. It's healthmarketgenius.com. Support them as they support us. Well, Cody Zeller is someone that lives in Charlotte. I live in Charlotte, and when he first got here kind of early on, I connected with him and a uh, friend of a friend and, and have gotten to know him just a little bit. And, and so on this show today, we talk family, we talk what he's up to now and, and you know with everything going on and not being able to play basketball. And then also, he's the youngest of three boys. I'm the oldest of three boys. And, and so we had some fun talking about that. Stick around at the end of the interview. I'll go into that just a little bit more. I've got some takeaways uh, kind of from that, that perspective. And, and then also we'll, we'll talk about faith and, and his role being a you know, follower of Jesus in the NBA as an NBA player. And, and so I think that'll be interesting to hear about as well. Uh, it's funny. So my, my one story with Cody is a few years ago, I was living in a townhouse uh, with my wife, and we were you know newly married and all that sort of thing. And I, I was having guys come over and watch you know football on Sundays. So I had a couple TVs going and NFL Red Zone and Panthers games, all that kind of thing. So one Sunday, my my buddy Steve came over with Cody Zeller, and so we watched football together, and it was a blast. And it's funny to you know kind of hear an NBA guy watching football and, and his take on things but the the, be- the best part or maybe the worst part of the day they had to park in like another part of the the, the townhouse complex and that's like the, the worst part of living in an apartment or a, co- or a townhome is the parking oh it's a nightmare so here's a seven footer having to like walk through 
you know, the whole parking lot. They got to park, you know, so far away just to get to my house. I feel bad about it. And looking back, I should have just moved my car. Like, why didn't I do that? That was a big miss on my part. So, Cody, I'm sorry about that, but uh, but it was fun watching football uh, a few years ago, and it was a blast having him on the podcast. So let's jump right in. Cody Zeller, former Indiana basketball player as well. We'll talk March Madness with him, his memories of growing up in Indiana. Uh, his parents actually have been a guest on this show talking about what it's like raising three boys that ended up all becoming NBA players. And, and of course, his oldest brother, Luke, went to Notre Dame. Tyler went to UNC. And, and so uh, just an incredible family of athletes. And, and so Zeller was Indiana Mr. Basketball. He was the fourth pick by the Charlotte Hornets, or actually by the Charlotte Bobcats, in 2013 and has been with the team ever since. And he's actually having a really good season. So hopefully the season uh, resumes because he was playing well uh, with this young roster and really has been one of the veterans on the team. And we'll also get into that as well. But right now, let's jump right in. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. And joining us now on the Unpacking It podcast to talk a little faith, life, and basketball. Cody Zeller from the Charlotte Hornets, former Indiana basketball star as well, and brother of Luke and Tyler. Cody, thanks so much for joining us, man. We're way overdue. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. We are definitely overdue, so uh, I'm excited to be on here. Yeah, this is great. I've actually had your mom and dad on the show when they uh, released their book a few years ago, so now it's great to, to have you on. Uh, so we'll, we'll have some fun. I, I, understand, I understand I'm a downgrade from there. So <laughs> hopefully that's a tough act to follow having those two on there. That's right. They're the, they're the stars of the, uh, the Zeller family. That's for sure. Uh, well, well, first off, you know, we got to talk about the, uh, the current situation. So how are you doing personally and, and kind of where's, where's your mind at with, with everything going on right now? Yeah, I think we're all just trying to figure out this new norm uh, that we're in right now. So, yeah, it's crazy to think even, you know, a little over three weeks ago, we were playing in Miami. We had a good win in Miami and came off the court and found out that the NBA season had been suspended. So, um, you know, we didn't even know if we were going to be able to fly back to Charlotte or how, how drastic of measures that things were going to happen, how quickly. So luckily we were able to fly back to Charlotte and uh, spend a few days there just kind of, kind of waiting to see how, you know, how long the league was going to be suspended or, um, kind of what the protocol is going to be. And I finally got clearance that it was going to be, you know, at least a month or more. And so anyway, so I, I road tripped home. I figured it was pretty safe just to get in my car and drive. So it ended up being about nine hours. Ooh. Uh, and I drove back to Bloomington and my, my parents are, especially my mom is on the very cautious side of this. And so, uh, so I wasn't welcomed at my parents' house oh. here in Washington. And so they were like, why don't you go spend some time with your brother for a little while? <laughs> so, so I went to Luke, Luke and his wife, and they got a little seven-year-old, uh, my little nephew. So I spent uh, maybe a week there, and they're doing some home renovations and stuff. So we've been you know, trying to help homeschool the little guy and then doing some home renovations. And 
had some good time with them and then uh ended up coming to my parents house here in washington maybe four or five days ago so it's been fun but yeah definitely different for everyone i think everyone's kind of figuring out you know what to do with their lives whether they have too much free time or whether they're trying to homeschool the kids or work from home and it's a you know a tough balancing act so yeah it's weird man well so what made your parents finally say all right you can come home uh i think a lot of convincing and uh (laughs) i think my mom was waiting for whatever rationalization it it was but it was two weeks after i had played my last game so uh two weeks we played the the heat like i said on a wednesday so i had to wait two weeks after that so it was like her quarantine you know 14 days so gotcha uh Anyway, that was that was what it that's what it took. That that's cool. Well, so all right, take me back to the nine hour car ride. What does that look like? What what where did you stop along the way? Did the people I don't know bother you, stop you, notice you on the way up? What what is it? What does it look like for Cody Zeller to drive not really across the country, but at least head north yeah. to to Indiana? Well, yeah, I mean, I was trying not to stop hardly at all, especially because yeah. you know I'd heard the you know, the, the extreme measures that my mom was taking. So I, you know, wanted to make one stop. So I made a one stop, went to the bathroom, got some gas and, uh, you know, got back in the car. And I, I spent a lot of time on the phone, just talking, catching up with old friends. And, uh, I had a couple interviews that I kind of strategically scheduled for that, uh, listened to a couple of podcasts and anyway, find ways to, to kill time. I'm usually, I always tell people my limit is like four hours. I'm a little ADD and, <laughs> and I just want to fly. Like if I want to go to you know, see friends or even usually when I come home, I just fly into either Indianapolis or Evansville and it's a, it's a direct flight from Charlotte. And so, yeah, nine hours, nine hours is a long time for me, but definitely worth it to be back home and get some mom's home cooking. Oh, that's great. Cause yeah. How were you doing when you were uh, the two weeks here in Charlotte? Cause that, we're recording of course from, from Charlotte uh, where I am, but uh, what was that time like and, and recognizing, all right, I got to get some, some mom cooking. Yeah, exactly. It was it was fine for a handful of days because, you know, during the season I get I have so many you know little projects at the house that I just push off because, you know, we're always traveling game after game every other day and so there's a lot of little you know house projects that I had to do cleaning out my room and I cleaned out my closet, got rid of old clothes, put new clothes in, you know, kind of the, you know, the the cleaning that everyone kind of goes through once or twice a year, and uh, so anyway, so I, I finished up those projects probably three or four days. And then I was like, man, I got to get a change of scenery. I got to, I got to have some social interaction here. <laughs> so that's why I decided to come home. No, that that's awesome. Very cool. Well, so what about uh, communication with the Hornets and coaches, players? Yeah. What's kind of the setup been like for you guys? Yeah. So when I was working out in Charlotte, so there was a gap where, like I said, we we the season, the season was suspended in Miami, and then uh, they hadn't officially ruled how long it was going to be. So it's probably four or five days where the facility was still open. So we could go in and lift and we could go in and work out individually, but they had to take such extreme measures to disinfect everything. And so like even in the weight room, you'd lift a dumbbell, like you lift it 10 times, you put it down and they had to disinfect it between every set. Oh. So like I'd lift it 10 times, I put it down, they disinfect it before. So it was like, yeah, what's the point of you? <laughs> this is too much. <laughs> and so anyway, so they finally, the league ended up saying all facilities are closed and so, like I said, that was when I ended up coming home. I'd rather, you know, sit at home with my parents rather than sitting at home alone in Charlotte. But uh, anyway, so, yeah, since then, um, the the training staff has to call me every day for a medical update. Oh. And so make sure I don't have a fever or, you know, any symptoms. 
And so my trainer called me every day just to say, hey, how you doing? And so anyway, so that's kind of another, you know, hoop that we have to jump through. But it's good that we're taking all these precautions and making sure everyone's safe. So uh, it could be a lot worse. Yeah, gosh. No, it's a, it's a lot to, to navigate through for sure. And, and here, you know, April is supposed to be NBA time. And, and especially with – I'm going to ask you about March Madness too. But uh, we kind of transitioned from college basketball and now start thinking the end of the NBA season. So for you guys, whether or not the, the season resumes or not, it's still kind of up in the air is coach Borrego still trying to, you know, develop you guys from afar, you guys watching uh, film or what, what does that look like? Yeah, we've, our, our strength conditioning coach has been good about sending us kind of home workouts and he's kind of customized it. Uh, most of us don't have a nice weight room at home. I don't have anything here at the house. So it's a lot of like body weight stuff. So body weight lunges and squats and, you know, stuff you do even in the driveway. So you know, it's kind of, it's very unique. I'm, I'm here like running through cornfields in Indiana, so I'm not sure. You know, I'm sure most NBA players aren't doing the same workout that I am. But, but anyway, so on the strength conditioning side of things, they're trying to keep us in shape. And then once or twice we've had uh, kind of Zoom Zoom interviews or Zoom uh, conferences with Coach Brego and a handful of teammates. So, and we've stayed in, cl- in close contact with, with some of my teammates just because we, we spend every day together, so. We go from spending every day together to not seeing each other at all. So it's been kind of fun to catch up with some of them uh, during this period as well. Who's maybe having the the hardest time or, or the best time right now? <laughs> I don't know. One one is Billy Hearn and Gomez, who I've I've become close with the past few years, and uh, so we had a we had a conference call with Coach a couple of days ago. And so there was like four or five of us on the call, and Billy's a big he plays a lot of video games. And I was, I was like, how many, how many hours a day are you playing Fortnite? Oh. And, and of course, coach was on the call. And so he was, he was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm using this time to work out. And I was like, okay, you know, even if you have a good workout, you know, a couple hours, now you have the rest of the day. How much, how much time? Shoot me straight. How much time? And he's like, and probably eight or 10 hours. Oh, I was like, eight gosh. or 10 hours playing video games. So anyway, I was giving a hard time about it. But anyway, that's, that's he's, great. He's somehow. Man, so he's he's embracing it. Yeah, my my brother's a video game guy, so I know he's he's enjoying the downtime being able to do that too. Well, man, so I was curious to to ask you about, you know, we just now it's April, but we we finished up March and of course you grew up in Indiana. You're a basketball family. Both your brothers played in the NBA and and college basketball as well. So when you think back to March Madness, growing up watching it, watching your brothers play in it, and then you playing at Indiana, what, what comes to mind? What are some of the memories of, of March Madness that, that you have? Yeah, it's such a shame for these kids that aren't able to, obviously the basketball players, but all the, the winter sports and the spring sports, um, you know, don't get to have their senior year and, and or even just one of their four years. I mean, you only have so many years to play college, college sports. And I loved March Madness. It was just something about, you know, you grow up watching March Madness and dreaming of being a part of that. And uh, to, to finally make it there and to be a part of the NCAA tournament was a lot of fun both years. We didn't make it quite as far as we wanted to, but we had a lot of fun. Just the, the tradition behind it, the atmospheres were awesome. Um, you know, we played the one the one game in the Atlanta Falcons stadium. Um, stuff like that, to play in a football stadium and have that full is was pretty special. So... Yeah, it's such a shame that those those kids are missing out on that. I know. It's March is always my favorite sports month and to miss out on it was just uh 
just a bummer. So we, I've been watching some of the replays of old games and some of the oh. classics. And uh, actually, I'm a Duke fan. I'm wearing my Duke hat. But I was watching the other day when uh, Indiana beat Duke. I guess it was the, I think it was the Elite Eight. And I remember being like a 14 year old watching that game and being yeah. devastated. So give give a little love to Indiana on that one. So that was a that was a big win. Mike Davis was the, the coach then. AJ Moy and uh, Carlos Boozer, all yeah, those guys. Exactly. Boozer yeah. missed the layup. He had a chance yeah. for the putback. Exactly. I'll tell you one one AJ Moye story, which I tell him this story every time. But so I have two older brothers, obviously, and I used to always go on the recruiting visits with them. And my oldest brother is six years older, and he started getting recruited by Indiana when he was like a freshman, sophomore in high school. So he would have been in ninth grade. I was in like third grade. And so I would go, and I think they were playing pickup one day. They invited him to play pickup. So they played, and I was just sitting on the sidelines. And once the game got over, I, I grabbed the ball, and I started shooting on one of the side baskets. And so the, the, the current players had just finished practicing. They played pickup with Luke and the, some of those other guys. So they had been on the court for two or three hours. <laughs> and so I, I started shooting on one of the side baskets and AJ Moya came over and he played, he wanted to play one-on-one against me. And oh. so we kind of like, you know, he was just, you know, taking it easy on me, obviously. But so anyway, we, we played and we probably played for another 30 or 40 minutes. And I just thought that was so cool because he had no idea, oh. you know, that, Luke or me or anyone else would, you know, go on to play to Indiana or, you know, have an impact on the program at all. But that was just the kind of person he is that he would want to, you know, spend time with a little kid playing on the sidelines. So, so anyway, I always, I always remind him of that story and I always think he's one of my favorite Indiana players. So Uh, that's pretty, that's a great story. Very, very cool. Well, that makes me think of, so when you were growing up and you know, three brothers, I'm, I'm one of three boys as well. I'm the oldest. At what point did or do you guys continue to play just the three of you, like in the backyard, at your parents, in the driveway? What, and, and, at what point maybe did those games end? Because I know for me, like eventually when my youngest brother became better than me, that was probably the end. I was like, all right, I'm done with that. So what was that like for you guys and, and do you still play? Yeah, it's it's a lot different now just because, you know, we're we're all at different points in our life and. And even when we were, you know, Luke was in the NBA, Tyler's in college, we were all kind of at different stages. So uh, when we did go in and work out together, a lot of times it was just like, you know, a shooting contest or, uh, you know, we'd even set it up that you got two dribbles from the elbow or whatever it is. So we kind of make uh, making a little game out of it. And every, besides that, everything was competitive, not just for basketball. <laughs> we make everything into competition. But uh, we hadn't done hardly anything up until – this past summer, we were up at um, we did our family vacation up at Lake Norman. Actually, oh nice. We just uh, we just rented a four or five bedroom house and spent four or five days there. And so anyway, so everyone came to Charlotte first, stayed a night at my house, and we went into the uh, arena, into the sports, into the uh, practice facility, mostly just to let the little guys run around. And and uh, none of us three had really workout gear on or anything, but one of us grabbed the ball and started shooting. And Tyler had been working out a lot, like trying to work on expanding his game, shooting more threes. And um, Luke is Luke claims the best shooter in the family, which I think he's probably right about. Fair. So, anyway, so Tyler had been working on shooting more threes, and so he had kind of been running his mouth about, you know, oh, I'm the best shooter in the family. <laughs> and so anyway, so we started shooting and kind of, you know, just real casually. And then, like, you know, we started ramping it up a little bit. And, like, two hours later, we're in a full sweat. <laughs> and 
So it ended up Luke defended his title. I think he's the best shooter in the family. Wow. And even even me, I was like, I'm not sure that Tyler's the second best shooter in the family. Like I've been shooting a lot too. And so anyway, so we ended up yes being super competitive and uh, it was a lot of fun just to kind of compete against him anytime. But yeah, so we hadn't done that in a while, but it was fun to kind of go at it again. I love it. So were you, how many years apart are all you guys? We're all three years apart. I'm the youngest. So Tyler's three years older. Luke's six years older. Gotcha. That's the same yeah. for us. Same for my family. So when you were, you know, younger, 10, 11, 12, did they, were they easy on you when you guys would play sports together? <laughs> Not at all. Okay. I remember even I used to I used to spend hours like I had a good imagination as well, playing on a little Nerf hoop on the back of the door. Yep. And so I used to spend hours on that. And every once in a while, Tyler would come in there and like, you know, play against me. But he would just stand at the rim and just reject every shot that I put up there. And I'd like to the point where I would just be in tears, like oh. crying. And so, no, not at all. Did they take it easier, easy on me? So, That's funny. yeah, no point. Did they take it easy on me? Well, because I think it one there was one point where my youngest brother we let his shots count as three and ours only <laughs> counted as two, but then within a year or two, all of a sudden he shot up. He's taller than me. He's better than me. And I'm like, what was I doing? I should have been letting him uh, get extra points there. So I, I should have yeah. taken advantage of the time that I could beat him. So, uh, oh, but that's, anyway, that's fun. That's fun to fun to remember for sure. Well, so as we uh, as we kind of think about this this downtime too, I, I know for me it's just a slower pace and, and, you know, you, you end up finding more time to reflect and think about just kind of life and, and big picture type stuff. What about for you? What, what has that looked like for you from a, a faith perspective or, or just looking at, at your own life now that you don't have the responsibility of, you know, three games in five days or, or whatever else you have throughout the, the NBA season? Yeah, there's definitely a lot more free time, obviously. So uh, there's more time to kind of, you know, if nothing else, it kind of gives you a little bit of a snapshot of what retirement will be like, you know, and, you know, basketball is going to stop bouncing sooner than later for a lot of us, you know, NBA athletes or even professional athletes. So I think a lot of us are trying to figure out what's next. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I've, I've been able to read a little bit more, you know, if I was joking with someone, I, I, I've, I've had this big dream of being able to play the guitar. I think I took lessons for like two hours. Like I found like a YouTube tutorial it lasted like two hours. I was like, I'm done with it. Too this hard. is no more. Uh, but anyway, so spiritually, um, it's been kind of cool to, for, for one, we always do chapel 60 minutes before games. And so it's just like a quick 15 minute chapel, which is cool to kind of have the right frame of mind that you're playing for something bigger than yourself once you step out on the court. And our chaplain has been good about keeping those going. So uh, even though we are playing the games, we have a conference call set up. And it's just on the, the normal game night schedule. So last night we had one. Tonight, uh, Tomorrow we'll have one. And so it's just at the same time, it's 6 o'clock, an hour before wow. what tip-off would have been. And so there's probably five or six of us to jump on the call. And so we're still able to kind of, you know, even though we're remote, like we're kind of in different areas now, we're still able to kind of uh, have that spiritual time together and kind of, uh, you know, be a good, you know, it's, it's just good to have kind of, uh, men in your life that can kind of feed into each other and uh, keep each other on the straight and narrow, even, you know, in the midst of everything that's going on. Yeah, that's right. And no, it's really cool. Is that Colin Pinkney doing that? Yeah. Colin Pinkney and Perry Tuttle. Awesome. Yeah. Both guys are awesome. Love those guys. Um, chaplains for the Hornets. So if, for, for you, as you kind of even, you know, look at 
what is going on all around us in the world, and a lot of people are you know dealing with tough stuff, and there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of confusion. How does your faith right now, how is it being tested? How are you uh, kind of viewing this situation through a lens of, of faith? How are you, you know, leaning into the Lord during this time? Yeah, I mean, it is, you know, we're, we're kind of talking about the NBA season and March Madness and stuff. And, and the big scheme of things, that isn't a huge deal. You know, the people that are, you know, losing their jobs or, you know, a lot of people are living paycheck to paycheck. And, you know, they're going to struggle through these next month or two, even, you know, small business owners, restaurant owners. So there's so many people that are in worse situations than, than we are. So that's the ones that I've been, you know, kind of thinking about and praying about. But, um, you know, nothing else. I think that, uh, you know, the Lord is such a rock for me and for, you know, any Christian that it's such a he's such a stabling, um, you know, person and. And once my faith in my life is built on a rock, you know, we can sustain something like this. But for people that don't have the Lord, it's kind of a, a spot where maybe during this time they hit rock bottom, unfortunately, or, you know, they have nowhere else to look but then to up and to the Lord. So, um, you know, hopefully something positive can come from this. Um, but, you know, if nothing else, hopefully it's, you know, more more people are spending time with families at home. Um, you know, more people are, you know, kind of getting outside and exercising and, you know, especially for kids, I think that, you know, they don't, they might not quite understand it, but, you know, maybe it's an opportunity for them to kind of spend more time with mom and dad and, um, kind of get that time. So anyway, like I said, hopefully something positive can come from this, the chaos of the past month or so. Definitely. It just comes down to perspective and, and looking for the opportunities, looking for the ways God's moving even in the, the, the craziness and uncertainty of, of what's going on all around us. And, and for, you, for you, Cody, as you even just kind of look back at your faith journey and, and knowing that you, you, you grew up in a, you know, Christian parents and, and brothers that were good examples for you, what were some of the turning points or, or key moments in your faith journey where you feel like you, your, your faith really grew, really became your own? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think your faith continues to grow throughout your life at different points. And I think, I, like you said, I grew up in a Christian household that, um, you know, I was kind of, you know, dragged to church, especially early on that, you know, I just went because my parents told me to. And and then I saw kind of my brothers kind of take it upon themselves to make it an important part of their life. I, you know, my, my brothers have always been kind of my role models kind of on and off the court. And so anyway, your faith is, I think, tested when you move away to college for the first time, moving away from home and you're, you kind of pick your own friends and who you're going to be. And so that was kind of the first time where it was, it was tested. I had a great, um, I went to Sherwood Oaks in Bloomington and had a great, uh, pastor there. And then again, you know, only two years later, I moved to, to Charlotte and I'm, you know, 20 years old and don't know a single person in Charlotte. And it's always been important for me to kind of surround myself with the right people and, um, you know, so I, luckily I had a good core group of people, you know, Stephen Copeland and, That's right. uh, one of my, you know, a good mentor of mine is a guy named Bobby Jones that played for the 76ers, a great Christian guy yeah. in Charlotte. So I've been so blessed with a great core group of people around me in Charlotte. Um, and you know, even David Chadwick, I've, I've gone to, to Forest Hill early on in my, in my career. And so anyway, so once I got to Charlotte, it was another opportunity for me to kind of you know, dive deeper into my faith and, um, you know, especially on the court, like we were talking, it's, um, my, my identity can't be, 
in basketball because you know that's tested especially early on in my career when I'm not getting the same amount of minutes and being a rookie man every time I stepped in the court I got my butt kicked <laughs> and it's such a learning curve coming into the NBA as a young rookie and so I made it important for me to remain strong in my faith and you know because that was you know if I was just if my identity was just in basketball it was such a you know up and down season and even my first few years so and even even since then, through injuries and everything else, uh, my faith has kind of kept me stable through all that. Oh, that that's neat to hear. And and even to, you know, you mentioned the uh, chapel services before games, and and there are opportunities for NBA players to to grow and and be poured into and all that kind of thing. But what are the advantages, but also the challenges of being a Christian in the NBA? First of all, there aren't there aren't too many other Christians. It is cool, like the. The chapel service that I'm talking about is for the home team always hosts it and both teams can come to it. So it's kind of cool to meet the other Christians on the other teams and you kind of get different styles of preaching each awakening that you go to. The home team is hosting it. So you get a lot of different styles of preaching. So anyway, so that's that's a good a good part. But there aren't a ton of other Christians in the league, unfortunately. So it's a good opportunity for for me to kind of share my faith or even to you know, kind of lead by example and kind of show what a Christian looks like. Um, you know, I've had a lot of cool conversations with teammates or whoever about that, but at the same time, it is, you know, easy to slip into, I'm not as bad as that guy, or I'm not as bad as, you know, the, the temptations are obviously heightened in the NBA. And so, so yeah, and I'm not perfect. So I've, you know, it's easy to slip into that or even just on the court of, uh, you know, you hear all the praise or all the booze and, so you start thinking, oh, this is me doing this, or this is, you know, you've kind of slipped into that. So anyway, the like I said, the, you know, chapel services and, um, you know, my faith kind of helped me keep me grounded. But, yeah, there's definitely pros and cons to it for sure. And, and what about, too, you know, early on in your career, you're a young guy and you're looking to other veterans from a, a, a faith perspective, but also just being examples of, of being veterans and being NBA players and, and what it takes to now, six, seven years later, you're, you're one of the veterans. You're, you're, you've been around, especially for the Hornets, kind of a lot of roster turnover. You're one of the key guys, the key leaders. How has that transition been for you, and what's that like now being on the other side, knowing that you got to be there for the young guys coming up? Yeah, it's, it's so different than even you know, two or three years ago with our roster. And I was fortunate, like you said, to have a lot of good veteran guys, Al Jefferson and Josh McRoberts, Anthony Tolliver, some of those guys. And so I was fortunate to have that my first couple of years. And so I kind of want to give back to the younger guys now. And um, like you said, it was, uh, you know, me, Kemba, Marvin Williams, Frank Kaminsky, Jeremy Lamb, all those guys have moved on now. And so those are kind of the guy, core group of guys that I was close with. So I'm still close to them, but it's not the same as seeing them every day and playing with them. And so anyway, so we kind of got a, you know, we're kind of in a transition period is what we're calling it. And uh, you know, so we got Devontae has been good this year. Um, you know, Miles, uh, PJ, some of those guys and the Martin twins. So anyway, we got kind of a, a good core group of young guys. And, uh, you know, so hopefully the, the future is bright for us. Oh, I'm fired up about the, the young team. And, you know, thinking about this season, it was, you know, Hornets weren't necessarily winning a ton of games, but you're having a great season and a lot of players are showing great development and, and just improvement. So how tough is it just to, to stop playing 
in the midst of the season that you were having? What's kind of your perspective on that? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is, uh, you know, it's been a tough year mentally for me just because we are kind of in this transition period where we're, we're going to play the young guys and no matter if, you know, if maybe we might win a couple more games if we're playing the veteran guys, but we're going to invest in the young guys and they need to develop, you know, kind of go through the growing pain. So, you know, it's a little frustrating for me being in my seventh year and kind of in my, you know, in the prime of my career and have to kind of, you know, wait for the young guys to develop. So anyway, that's been a kind of uh, selfishly, that's kind of been my struggle all year. But, um, you know, I've kind of used it as a chance for me to develop my game a little bit as well and, um, you know, kind of try a few things that, that I might not have been able to in the past. So hopefully this year is uh, is good for me as well. And like I said, it's, it's going to be good for the team in the long run. Absolutely. No, I, I see the, the, the building blocks, and it's exciting as a fan to uh, – just kind of see see where things are heading, and hopefully we get to at least see some action this year. And it's just hard to know, hard to predict it all. So we won't we won't guess on on that regard. Uh, but one other thought too, just uh, going beyond basketball, I know you're very involved in the community in Charlotte, and and so I'm just kind of curious your heartbeat behind that. What's your 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 focus, your perspective on wanting to be a community ambassador, wanting to give back to Charlotte and, and be in the, in the mix, uh, what kind of drives you and, and, and what's your mentality? Yeah. So, I mean, Charlotte's kind of become home for me over the past, you know, like I said, seven years and I bought a house there a couple of years ago. So, uh, I love Charlotte. I love the city, you know, good people, good weather, uh, traffic's not too bad. So I love the city of Charlotte and, uh, I was able to start my own foundation called the like a child foundation last, uh, last summer. And it helps, uh, you know, any kind of kids. I think I think that we all have a lot to learn from as kids. And, mm. um, you know, kids are just so pure and innocent. They don't understand anything about, you know, social status or paying taxes or any of this stuff that we stress about as adults. And um, I think even as adults, we got a lot to learn from that. And so anyway, so I, I just love how I, every time that I'm around kids, like I said, I'm the, I'm the cool uncle for now. <laughs> and... Uh, so I, I just I just feel so energized being around kids, and so as far as this foundation, we we can help kids in in uh, in a lot of different aspects. So um, we've, we've helped the Children's Foundation in uh, the Children's Hospital in Charlotte, Henry Children's Hospital. Uh, we did something with uh, Riley Children's Hospital this year. We helped Taps, which is um, it helps kids and families of fallen soldiers. Mm. We did uh, a little something with Big Brothers Big Sisters in Charlotte. And so we've done a lot of stuff with different different organizations that all help kids. And so, like you said, I, I just feel passionate about giving back to the community, especially in Charlotte, where, you know, it's kind of become home for me. That's awesome. And especially with the turnover and, you know, a lot of the key guys that have been with the Hornets for, for years are now gone. And so to have you and, and just as kind of that that rock for the Hornets in Charlotte, I think is huge, too. And the fact that you are so involved in the community uh, is huge. So keep keep up the great work yeah. with that, man. That's awesome. Uh, fi- fi- final thought. So I actually I reached out to you last year, and you were about to go on a trip to Italy and France with your dad. So I got to hear about that trip, and especially in light of all that that, that took place uh, in in Italy with with all that they have going on. That was an awesome trip. So my dad and I have been on a couple of trips together. We went on one a couple of years ago. Uh, to Africa, we did a Basketball Without Borders, which is an NBA program. So we helped with the basketball camp there. We tacked on a few days and did a safari in Africa, which we still talk about. And so, um, 
so anyway, last summer we Jordan the Jordan brand takes us on a trip each year, and they they treat us unbelievably. We've been to Cabo, we've been to Atlantis, so it's all the Jordan sponsored athletes. So basketball, football, uh, baseball is in season. A couple of entertainers, so they take everyone on a trip somewhere. And last summer it was in Monaco, which is just over the top ridiculous. Uh, they call it like the billionaires playground. There's oh. yachts and everything else, and so we were we were way out of place, and so <laughs> so it's for me and a guest, and so uh, my mom was a little hesitant about traveling overseas at the time, and so anyways, I took my dad with me, and same thing, it was like well, might as well while we're over there, we might as well tack on a few days, and so we did uh, we did Venice, Rome, and Positano, and then we went to Monaco from there, but it was an unbelievable trip. We spent a few days at each one. And, uh, yeah, Venice was really cool to see kind of the sinking city. And, uh, we saw the kind of where it floods each time and it's flooding more and more. And, uh, we went to Rome, saw the Colosseum, the Vatican, and then the Pastano was a little more relaxed, but the views there are incredible. And so anyway, it was a good time. My dad and I saw a lot of kind of inside stories and an awesome father son trip, but Anyway, definitely a memorable, uh, memorable week or so. Oh, that's special, man. Really cool. What about the food? What was your favorite food item? Or not that I would know what the restaurants are, but what was the what was the spot? Uh, we had a lot of a lot of pizza, a lot of pizza. Obviously, uh, all the pasta was unbelievable in Italy. Um, even the the pizza was not a. Uh, it's not heavy. Like it's just you can have a whole pizza to yourself, but it's not heavy. <sighs> Oh, wow. And so, yeah, because what what kind of pizza do you normally like, and how does it compare to that? Yeah, this was like uh, like thin crust. It's not not okay. greasy at all. Uh, like really really fresh. And so we did. We were walking a lot, you know, trying to see a lot of the city and stuff. So uh, of course, everywhere had pizza and pasta. And um, I don't know how to say it, but it's uh, noki or nochi. Oh yeah. Uh, the the pasta. Some unbelievable um, pasta dishes there. So. Anyway, and then the uh, gelato. Oh, I also, love gelato. Anyway, we, we ate very well when we were there, so it was uh, a good time. I, I bet. That, that that would be my reason to go. That's what I would want to do, eat as much as I could. So <laughs> that that's cool. But neat that you were able to experience that with your dad. And, um, man, well, enjoy your, your time with your parents as you, you stay there. And, and what's that like now being a 27-year-old crashing <laughs> with your, your parents? Uh, it's been good. It's been good. A lot of home cooked meals from mom and dad and I have been, uh, you know, playing board games and everything else. So we were just like shooting darts downstairs and mom came and joined us. Mom beat us in darts, which is really embarrassing for dad and I. (laughs) So anyway, we've been having a lot of fun just, uh, spending some time together. And like I said, it's not a bad deal for me to, you know, get my laundry done and my, my, uh, you know, meals prepared for me. So it's not the bad deal for me either, man. Well, so soak in the time and, and make the most of, uh, you know, the, the situation, but, but we're looking forward to seeing you back on the court here soon, but, but thanks so much for being a part of the unpacking it podcast today. He's Cody Zeller and appreciate him joining us here on unpacking it. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is unpacking it with Bryce Johnson. Finally had Cody on the show, and it was awesome, and hope you enjoyed listening to that conversation, and he was just chilling up in Indiana at his parents' house. So think about how funny that is to be a 27-year-old NBA player 
at home. Mom's cooking meals, playing games in the house. How great is that? I love it. My one big takeaway that that I want to discuss a little bit further is how all of a sudden Cody Zeller finds himself as one of the veterans on the Hornets, surrounded by younger players. And what I find interesting is, you know, he's always been the youngest brother, which he always will be, <laughs> his, his two older brothers. But his role in the NBA, you know, coming in right after his, I guess, his sophomore year, you know, he's a 20-year-old entering the NBA, and now you're the 27-year-old. And, and I guess what changes is your opportunity to pour into and and you know minister to and be an example for and help and assist the next group of guys but it's just funny how quickly it happens and how all of a sudden especially you know in sports where the hornets got rid of everybody so they they released Marvin Williams and MKG gone and they didn't you know re- or they traded Kemba Walker and um and all those kind of moves that they made ended up resulting in what the roster is now and so I guess how I translate that to our own lives there comes a point where we have to recognize the the role that we're in and the people that that may may be around us that are younger than us and and it doesn't necessarily even mean age but maybe you know younger from the standpoint of faith where they're they're immature in their faith or just growing and not immature as like silly, <laughs> immature as they just haven't learned it all yet. And and we may be further along and we want to leverage, just like Cody Zeller leverages the seven years in the NBA, we have to leverage however many years we've been a follower of Jesus to help those growing, learning that are that may be further behind us. But we have to be aware of it. We have to embrace that role. We have to look and seek those opportunities out. Now, in some ways, it's easy on an NBA team. You've got 12 to 15 players, and you're almost by default, oh, now you're the older guy. They're, they're going to look to you. But even then, if you're Cody, you still have to embrace that. And, you, and for him to come at it from a faith perspective and to be an encouragement and to live that out and to be an example and to represent Christ in the NBA, in NBA locker rooms is huge. But for each of us, we have our own sphere of influence, our opportunities to pour into others, and an opportunity to be either a mentor or some level of you know guide. And let's face it, when NBA players enter the league, if it's a good team or a well-constructed team, they're going to have players that are veterans that pour into the younger guys and bring them up to speed, show them professionalism. So for us, as followers of Jesus, we want to we want to be that too. For the for the guys maybe just coming out of college or you know, whatever wherever we're at in the journey uh, ourselves, there are always people a few years behind us that that we can share wisdom and encouragement with. And so uh, I hope that that you're willing to embrace that today. Think about okay, who can I reach out to? Who do I work with? Who in my family, brothers, cousins, nephews that that I can pour into who in the neighborhood and then go beyond there, depending on where you're at in, in your own maturity to then 
you know, pour into to some guys that are really desperate and looking for a father figure or a male figure to look up to. So that's what I was encouraged by just just in thinking about the conversation with Cody. So uh, hopefully that's something to think about for you and, and hopefully a good challenge for you today. I know we got a lot going on with the virus. Hang in there. Continue to find your peace in Jesus. That when he's in us, the peace is available. We just have to tap into it and rest in him. And so uh, I hope that we can continue to do that as we stick together as sports fans who follow Jesus. Thanks for being a part of the show today. As always, I am a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sins. He was resurrected, and through faith, I have been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It podcast. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.